everybody. Welcome back to Kicking in the Second Half, Kish YZ. We're back with episode 28. And like I promise, we have a special guest with us today. By the way, I'm D, and our special guest, known as your bud 36, sometimes I call him YB. Hey, what's up, buddy? Hey, gamers. We're back again and excited as ever to talk some more NBA. That's right. The, the NBA season is winding down. We're getting prepared to uh, end the season and getting ramped up for the play-in tournament, followed by, the, obviously, the playoffs. And if you haven't already, check out uh, the play-in tournament video that I posted a couple days ago. I'll try to leave a little card up here that you could click on if you're having trouble understanding how that's going to work. I mean, it's coming up soon. There's about, what, three to four games left to be played, or three or two games left to be played for most teams, I believe, now. So, yeah, it's about to wrap up the regular season uh, less than a week. So, but yeah, your bud, thanks for being on here again with me. And, um, you know, tell the people what you've been up to, by the way, since it's been a, been a minute since you've been on here. Well, I've been go, 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 working overtime, as well as picking up my streaming schedule to six days a week, uh, playing everything from Overwatch to some vintage Mario and Zelda. Um, and even some Call of Duty and Stardew Valley. It's just been uh, wild and crazy. The channel's growing, and I'm excited to see what's going on next. And I'm excited to see the continued growth of uh, Kishwazi as well. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, make sure you check him out on Twitch at yourbud36, Y-O-U-R-B-U-D-36. And also, if you're watching this video, give us a thumbs up if you like it, and please uh, subscribe to our channel and turn your notification bell on for new content and uh, notifications. So, yeah, let's get into the episode, B. Um, I kind of wanted to start it out talking about the, the Brooklyn Nets because the, obviously they won today's game. I think they played the Spurs, but this was the return game for James Harden, who's been out for several weeks with the, the hamstring injury. And yet still the same narrative for me, the big three are not getting any jail time. Kyrie Irving was out for what they reported as not being a concussion, but he didn't miss today's game. So on the court, they had James Harden and Kevin Durant. Uh, what do you think about that? You still feel the same way as before when we talked about this, about them playing together and not having any chemistry to go off of going into the playoffs? Uh, I still, I'm not sold on how this team shakes out uh, and there's no sample size of the synergies that these players have together, uh, more than two of them on the floor at a time. So I still am not sure what the big three look like together. Or, you know, we, the, I keep hearing that it's KD's team, but, you know, is it really? I begin to kind of question too. I always question it. It's like James Harden has kind of taken up that leadership role, which is an odd dynamic because uh, he had that role in Houston and it never really amounted to much. But of course, he didn't have KD and Kyrie over there. But I still don't see how this team works it out in an intense playoff situation in a matchup where they're going to be going against you know, some pretty stiff competition uh, consistently night in and night out that are going to give some trouble to the fact that they still are lacking a dominant big, especially with the departure of LaMarcus Aldridge. Let's look at that, that potential there where you're talking about going against some tough teams. In the second round, 
if the if the underdogs lose. So assuming that that the uh, Brooklyn Nets they win the first round, and the Milwaukee Bucks I think they're third right now. Which you know there's a little bit of room where they could swap, but for right now we'll just assume that it stays where it's at. If the Milwaukee Bucks win the first round, you're talking about a second round matchup that involves Brooklyn Nets playing the Milwaukee Bucks and the Milwaukee Bucks over the last week and a half, they played Brooklyn Nets twice and they beat them both times. Yeah. I just don't see how defensively this Brooklyn Nets team is going to stop the firepower on Milwaukee. And in my opinion, Milwaukee's just got better defense. Just flat out. They have better defenders. They have more length and they're younger. So a lot of these young legs are going to come into uh, play as you go deeper into this playoff run. I mean, yeah, adding Jamal Murray, not, whoa, sorry, thinking of the wrong team, Jamal Murray, Drew Holiday, adding Drew Holiday for the Milwaukee Bucks was definitely a step in the right direction, especially when you're considering defense. Like you're saying, they already had the length, but he's a bit of a bigger guard compared to Eric Bledsoe who they had in the seasons prior to this one. And yeah, just the on-ball defense and his three-point ability, shooting ability as well. So he brings, you know, a lot more firepower on both ends of the court. But yeah, the defense alone, I mean, just put him on one, you know, pick a target for him to, to guard between, I guess, either guard of James Harden or Kyrie Irving and and then let everybody else, you know, defend the rest. I mean, I'm sure Giannis would be on Kevin Durant, assuming that the big three is playing in the series. That's going to be, in my opinion, just that's going to be tough. And I'll say it again, I wouldn't be surprised if, Brooklyn Nets lose that like me personally I would say okay well what what did you really expect I mean I obviously obviously everybody's expecting them to kind of just go right to the finals but I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk yeah I mean and let's not underestimate the defensive prowess of Chris Middleton matching up with the other guard over there I mean Chris Middleton's defense is very strong though he doesn't have the offensive uh firepower that you get from a Drew Holiday his defense more than makes up for it and guarding elite level players consistently night in and night out well when you talk about Chris Middleton's offense let's look at the other scenario or or flip it around who's going to be guarding Chris Middleton you know if he's having a decent series here then they're going to have to figure out what person to put on Chris Middleton I mean do you want to see James Harden play Chris Middleton I think, like, his his height, uh, like I say, I think the guard matchup as far as height goes, I think Middleton and Holiday are both big guards. And Kyrie and, and James Harden are not. So I wonder about how much that length becomes an issue for those two guys. And Giannis is similarly sized to KD. So that defensive matchup, it's going to come into play, and these guys are not known for their defense. None of the other guys on the other side are known for their defense. So I'm kind of wondering, you know, is this going to come down to which team plays better defense? Yeah, and I think that's what it's going to be. Like the offense, we, we kind of know what to expect, basically from both ends on, on offense, but especially when it comes to Brooklyn Nets, it, the offense is not going to be a problem when the big three is there. Uh, maybe until it comes down to the wire, if it's a close game, as far as who's taking that last shot or, or the last few possessions. But yeah, more so the defense as far as uh, the whole pace of the game and what they're allowing a team like 
potentially the Milwaukee Bucks, what they're going to allow them to be able to do. If they allow them in the paint, that's where they like to live. That's where Giannis makes his money. So, yeah, be on the lookout for that. But let, let's move on to uh, let's move on to the Washington Wizards. Unless you had something else to add to that conversation. No, I think I think it's like I say. I think you're right. The defensive matchups are going to be the thing to look for if that's the series we end up getting. So the Wizards, which is the team at you know at a moment uh, there about a week or so ago, I was kind of pondering over the idea of if the Brooklyn Nets were still number one when they had swapped places with uh, the Philadelphia 76ers in the standings. And if, you know, the Wizards make it into the playoffs after the playing tournament being eighth, that would have been something I would want to see just because of the battle of Kevin Durant versus Russell Westbrook. I mean, obviously I probably would have picked Brooklyn Nets to win that series, but, um, but yeah, I mean, this might not be the case anymore because of the, the seating, but, yeah, the Washington Wizards, they're, they're on the uptick, it seems like. They've turned things around since the last time we had you on this podcast, B. Um, it's just been a totally different Washington Wizards. We've seen the leadership of Russell Westbrook, obviously the triple doubles, which we knew he was very well capable of doing that. But just that dynamic of him pairing with Bradley Beal, like this is something, something interesting to see. And definitely if the Washington Wizards make it into the playoffs, I feel like personally that the Wizards did do their job. They replaced John Wall with somebody who's getting you in position to win games, even if they don't make it past the first round. Like that is an upgrade. If you're looking at where you were before and where you get to this season after a player swap and you get better results, then you you made the right move. Yeah, I still think Washington's a bit of an underachiever for me. You have the, you know, one of the top scorers in the NBA in Bradley Beal and one of the like epic legendary talents and Russell Westbrook on your team you know Mr. Triple Double now uh but he the problem I I continue to come back to here is when Russ is good he's amazing and when he's bad he's terrible I mean there's games where you just he's still putting up massive stats but then you look at the turnovers and the shooting percentages and they're just like it's not even like watching the same guy and so I wonder uh if you know if they can get some coaching in there to kind of clean up that play you know I understand Russ is Russ and he's going to do his thing you know he's doing the Brody thing but uh I feel like if you clean up what they have there and maybe add a big you know I think this might not be their year but I think if they can keep this going there's definitely some potential that's shown in the past several uh, weeks and the past month, really, uh, that this can work. It just needs a little refining. But like I say, I think that they did underachieve this year, but I think they can give some of these lower seeds a run for their money. Oh, for sure. I mean, Russ is definitely driving the bus here. So everything basically revolves around whatever playing style that you get from him on a particular night. If he's provide, providing a high efficiency as far as a game where he's shooting decent shots and, and making them at a good clip, then yeah, he could definitely help carry this team in the right direction. You know, Bradley Bill is going to continue to show up to be a scorer, but if Russ is having a severely bad shooting night and still putting up those turnover numbers, then that could definitely spell a disaster. But I think what I, uh, what I, Saw prior to doing the podcast tonight is that the Washington Wizards need to win one more of their games. Uh, they lost today 
So I, I think there's two more games left for them to be played. So if they win one, they're definitely going to clinch the uh, play-in berth. But then obviously, with that being said, if they're in the play-in berth, they need to win um, at that point. If they're going to be the bottom two, ninth or tenth place, then they would need to win two games to be the eighth seed, which is the highest they can go. And yeah, and that that could definitely be a problem if Bradley Bill is ready to go and Russ is ready to attack in a single elimination game. You know, I could definitely see the Washington Wizards making making that uh, that eighth seed there and and being in the playoffs, which is what I thought would have happened when they brought Russ over earlier in this uh, season initially. I think a win of uh, clinching the spot is going to be huge for their morale. And I think winning against a gatekeeper team like Indiana, which is usually like, you know, Indiana usually floors a, a serviceable team uh, year in and year out. And they're kind of that gatekeeper team to me. Like if you right. can't get a uh, beat us, you know, then you can't get in the playoffs. I think if you can win against Indiana, even if you don't beat you know, Boston or Charlotte after that, beating that gatekeeper team, but definitely earning that eighth seed would definitely bolster and I think encourage them to keep this uh, this roster mostly intact. Yeah, and plus they were, you know, a few players short due to injuries. I mean, it seems like there's been a lot of injuries around the league, but I mean, they're missing their center and Thomas Bryant. Uh, I think their rookie, uh, what's his name, Denny Abdesia, I think he, he went out not too long ago, about a month or so ago. So they're missing some key pieces that when they return and if they're returning full health, that would definitely contribute to the dynamic of their team. I mean, those two guys were starters. So yeah, I think, yeah, if they definitely make the playoffs and that's something that you build with this season and maybe don't do a whole lot of tweaking and and you see how far you can make it up in the regular season standings to possibly be out of the play-in tournament next year if they choose to have one, but still be in the playoffs. Um, let's go to the Celtics. The Celtics, that is another team that is riddled by a major injury because Jalen Brown, that's the breaking news uh, the other day, is that, you know, he was out for a minor injury and then they did like an exam and found out that he needed um, surgical repairment on his wrists or something like that. And he's going to be out for the rest of the, not just the regular season, but the entire 2021 remaining season when it comes to play in tournament and uh, playoffs. So this is definitely going to be, in my opinion, just basically what we what we saw last year with the Celtics. It's going to be an earlier exit than what I would have thought they would have been at compared to the beginning of the year when I had higher hopes that, okay, they're going to build upon last season. Uh, you know, they have, obviously more playoff experience and Jalen Brown did make an all-star team this year, but you know, they're going to be more dependent on Evan Fournier, which I think he has filled uh, somewhat of a role since Jalen Brown's been hurt. I mean, I don't think he obviously is the player that Jalen Brown is, especially when it comes to defense and uh, Tatum is going to be, you know, he's going to be relied upon very heavily. And then this is going to be a teaching moment for him to uh, build this game, especially in the off season. But um, this is going to be, it's going to be hard to watch because I think it's going to be a good battle, but I mean, it's inevitable what, what's going to happen. Um, assuming that they are in the playoffs. I mean, who knows what could happen? They could wind up not making the playoffs. If they, you know, if they're still in the seventh seed, they lose that first round and then they play in the second round and lose that. And they could be actually not in the playoffs, which would be highly disappointing. Yeah. 
Uh, I think this is probably the end of their season as far as Boston is concerned. Like I say, nothing against Evan Fournier. He's played well after his initial debut. But I, I think Jalen Brown is too much of a defensive anchor for that team. They really needed him. Tatum needed to rely on him. Uh, and to be honest, Tatum has shown that greatness a little bit. But I still think he's a year or so away from really taking the reins and being the guy in that team. Uh, and I think that the pressures of playoff style basketball is probably going to uh, strain this roster too much. There's not enough depth to make up for it and uh, definitely not enough defensive uh, backing. So I would be surprised if they, uh, if they do make it into the actual playoffs this season. I can't remember the exact contract for Kimball Walker, but I, I want to say this is possibly his last year. I think it, it might be a player option or something of that sorts here, but um, this this might be the end of Kimba Walker in, in the Celtics uniform, which might not necessarily be a bad thing depending on who they could bring in to replace him. But, I mean, I think we would all agree that they kind of messed up. Um, they botched the trade deadline when they didn't go after a, a big, in particular not really pursuing Nikola Vucevic very hard because I felt like they had a great opportunity of getting him over there. But um, – yeah, it's, it's, it's possibly going to be the end of what we see now in the beginning of something new for next season when you're talking about building around Tatum and Jalen Brown. Like, you know, maybe it's time for a big restructure and, and more serious uh, rostering for playoffs next season. If there's one thing I, I do believe in, though, it's, it's that Danny Ainge uh, has an idea of what he's doing, and he's a proven – uh, commodity, uh, and he's proven to make fairly good decisions. Like I say, I don't know what the story was behind not getting or heavily pursuing a big uh, at the trade deadline. I, like you, believe that that was a misstep. And uh, now it hurts even more, like I say, losing Jalen Brown so you don't even get that what if. Uh, I do, like you, believe that Kemba Walker probably uh, leaves and goes somewhere else, but uh, – yeah, maybe a roster restructure because I just don't think they have enough enough upfront and rim protection to uh, be successful long term, and they may want to uh, explore their options going forward. Yeah, I'm also highly disappointed in Danny Ainge. Like, like I understand the greatness as far as his ability of being a great GM and, and making things happen, but I was expecting more, and he let me down, and I was just kind of on the ro- I'm on the ropes now about it. Um, I mean, he has the opportunity to do something this summer, I hope. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with the Celtics. But let's go on to another undermanned team, the Lakers. Now, their scenario is a little bit different than the Celtics, but yet similar. I mean, similar in the way that they're in a position that you wouldn't think they'd be in when it came to earlier in the season or at the beginning of the season. They're a team that looks like they're going to be in the play-in tournament. Uh, they have a potential to get right out of it, but they also have to rely on the teams above them to lose uh, a game or two because it's just that close in the West. But yeah, with their injuries and being undermanned, Anthony Davis came back, you know, he started off rusty and then he started building some momentum and had a couple of great games. And then he didn't make today's matchup, which granted they're playing the Rockets and uh, that's just a story within itself, the Rockets organization that is, but with him potentially sitting out, this could be great for rest or is this a serious problem that, might linger in the playoffs because of his injury history. And then the thing with LeBron, 
I mean, we can't count LeBron out. I think he's just a smart enough player and he knows his body so well that maybe he feels like I, I could just do with the time off for the regular season, especially if we're going to play in the play-in tournament and maybe get a game in, uh, which would be the play-in tournament game and, and try to uh, recuperate from there. But I mean, you're potentially looking at, they might be playing the Golden State Warriors in the first round. And then they would obviously would have to win the second round to be eighth, but it's not a great situation in my opinion, for them to be in, but it's not a situation where LeBron, in my opinion, can't handle as far as, okay, you, you've been in, in um, a seating before that didn't really favor you. Like back in the East, I think when the Cavs slid down to the fourth spot back in um, 2018 or something, and they didn't have Kyrie, but they still made it to the, uh, the, the finals. But it's a little different in the West. I mean, the teams above you are definitely ballers, and there are, none of them are to be laughed at. And in the play-in tournament, half of those teams are nothing to be laughed at either. Yeah, the Lakers are sort of in a rough spot right now. Uh, even moving up uh, probably doesn't help their matchup if AD's not healthy. Um, like I say that I, I'm not a real big believer in the Clippers, but, you know, if you're missing AD, you know, how much does that impact, you know, how you have to defend that team? Uh, and if you do end up in the play-in tournament, then you have to go against a super red-hot Phoenix Sun team that shows no signs of slowing down right now. And uh, I'm, you know, I, you always got to believe in LeBron. You know, he's shown that he can do it over and over again. I mean, but I with, can't. Yeah, I can't help being nervous about it. You know, I, I feel oh, it's like, definitely like like a nail biter there because it's just watching it. And it's like you're saying you're in a rock and a hard place. You're in between those two things. Cause it's like, you know, there's not a win-win there as far as comfortability, but I mean, I think I would take the chances on being ready to play the Suns over the Clippers. Like you said, the Clippers, you know, we saw how unstable they could be as of last year, but they've been on a roll. And if their players are healthy, then they're going to come at the, the Lakers throats anyway, just because of the storyline there of LA and versus LA but I think I might want to take my chances against the Phoenix Suns because of the lack of how much playoff experience they have uh, within their, their teammates there. You know, Chris Paul is definitely going to try to lead them as far as he can. But if I'm the Lakers, maybe that's their plan is like, okay, let's try to stay where we're at in seventh. Or, let may, or maybe if they do go to eighth, then you're, you're talking about a red hot Utah Jazz that's been holding it down basically all season. So that's another tough one. But I mean, the Clippers are going to be extra motivated if they did wind up playing the Clippers. So I don't, I don't know if they're they're wanting that. But you know, that also depends on what the Nuggets do. Jokic is definitely playing at the MVP level, and with being one game behind the Clippers, I mean, he might potentially take over the third spot himself with the uh, the rest of the Denver Nuggets. And then that that could be a different scenario there for whoever's in sixth place if the Lakers wanted to go sixth there, knowing that they won't have a Jamal Murray player there and exploit the defense of Michael Porter Jr.'s from last year playoffs. So, I mean, there's some scenarios there, but I'm not sure if all of this is strategic by the Lakers, where it's going to definitely come down to the wire as far as where they want to be seating-wise. But the Golden State Warriors, I, I don't think – I mean, you do want to play them because if it's a plan, you, you have to, and that will get your reps up. But I don't know if I would bank on the Lakers winning that game in, in a first-round play-in play matchup especially with the way Steph Curry's been playing recently, I don't think I want to go in with the way he's shooting. Uh, if I'm the Lakers, uh, 
they say you don't really want to drop any further like you said you know ninth ninth place you know then you got to deal with the the juggernaut this year that is the Utah Jazz that everybody wanted to look over in the middle of the season right you know, they they've won over 50 games this team is no joke and uh you want to kind of put off ma that matchup as long as you can uh you know obviously these guys are all competitors and they're not really afraid of any team and LeBron doubly so has proven he's not afraid of to take on any team but you really need AD to be healthy and you need LeBron to be healthy because all these teams in the west this year have shown that they can go and win it against anybody any night right and it definitely would be a different narrative or a different story if LeBron and AD were both healthy and been logging their minutes and playing their normal type of, of style of game. Like I said, we saw AD kind of do that the last couple of games before he went out. So that's something to watch, but it's, it's going to be hard to see how LeBron comes back exactly when he does come back. I mean, yeah, he does have the opportunity to get back in the form, but who knows how long that, that may take. It might take a loss for him to do that just because of, you know, the longevity, he might not be able to play uh, 30, 32 minutes you know, that playoff type of style of basketball that he plays where sometimes he stretches it out to a 36-minute game for him. Yeah, like I say, LeBron being healthy, you know, and like you said, he's, you know, a seasoned veteran. He knows his body. He knows uh, what he needs to do as far as rest and conditioning. Uh, he's always been ready. Like I say, you want to have faith that he's going to continue to be that. But like you say, he's not a young man anymore. He's not a young player anymore. And so you kind of have to worry about getting back into the rhythm uh, in this type of pressure scenario where one game loss and you could be out. The one key thing I would like to touch on just to end it with the Lakers is that uh, if they are healthy and they can survive health issues, then the one thing they do have going for them is their consistency as far as their teammates gelling. Shouldn't be too bad of a problem. I mean, you're still trying to balance uh, Drummond, Harrell, and Marcus Saul as far as your bigs rotation. But, you know, the guards, they were there last year, so they all have that experience of bubble and, and, and playing in the finals and winning the championship. So that definitely goes a long way when your veteran leaders come back and you're able to, you know, function as a well-oiled machine once you get your reps in and, and be more consistent on offense and defense. But it shouldn't take a whole lot for them to click, but it might be rough starting out like you're saying, where it's going to be hard to watch and, and, and make you sweat a little bit, just depending on on the readiness of the whole team as a complete unit, because uh, they still have a few players that are, are hit or miss on injuries, uh, including Alex Caruso. I don't even know if he was playing tonight. I think he might have been out. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see if they can get it together. But, um, yeah, the last leg of this segment, you know, uh, we wanted to touch on the rookie class, or I did. I wanted to bring this up uh, because, you know, obviously we're ending the season, but uh, you know, you and I talk about draft classes here and there in the past and stuff like that. And I was just wondering what your take was on this year's draft class. I mean, some of this is hard to predict because of the injuries, but I'm just kind of going off of like personality and attitude. But yeah, obviously what some of these guys are doing, like we're looking at maybe some of the top rookies here in the, in the class, obviously LaMelo Ball. Like you said before, you felt like Charlotte's kind of like a, a team that's a, a big shocker and surprise as far as where they're at. But, I mean, he's doing big things for the Charlotte Hornets there, and he's playing at an exceptional level for a rookie. Um, another, another guy is uh, Anthony Edwards. What he's able to do 
uh, before Conthony Towns came was amazing. And then I was like, well, we'll see how they defer to him or not when Cat comes back. And they've, they're actually playing pretty well. Maybe they even have a chance of making the playoffs next season. But for him to be a rookie and playing with a big talent like Car Anthony Towns, I mean, there's parts there where sometimes I feel like, well, he's like the face of the team, almost like a Shaq Kobe situation where, you know, Car Anthony Towns is definitely that dominant big that they have, like a weapon not too many teams have you know, because I compare him a lot to like an Anthony Davis type of player, like he's very special in his skill set or like Joel Embiid. But, um, but when I'm looking at like an identity, like somebody you can identify as that guy's going to bring it every day, every game, um, like Anthony Edwards could be that guy. And like, he's just very aggressive, very confident, self-confident, not overly cocky. I mean, he has a cockiness to him, but that's part of his game. And that's part of that. Uh, I play basketball. Like when I see him, he's just a guy that like, all I do is play basketball, which gets me to the other guy I want to talk about too, which you know, I have a list of rookies, just, but the reason why I'm wearing Orlando Magic, shout out to Cole Anthony. I mean, when he came back from his injury uh, this season, um, you know, he was playing uh, okay basketball before he went out, but then he came back. He came back very assertive. Now, there's a little bit of inconsistency there because of not playing a whole lot of NBA-paced games, but very, very self-confident guy. And I like that emotion in the team. And he, he's talking about how he loves the city. He loves the team. He believes in the team. And that's what you really want to see. You don't want to really see somebody who's just kind of either into themselves too much where they don't, you know, recognize what their team is or team can become or somebody who just shies away from the limelight because it's like, well, you are looked at as this guy, but you don't perceive yourself like this, like an Andrew Wiggins type of player that reminded me of, you know, Andrew Wiggins back in uh, Minnesota, where he kind of, in my opinion, was too quiet and shied away from being that guy. Like, Cole Anthony is definitely embracing uh, a leadership role uh, of this team, especially with them training away vets and Vucevic uh, being out. Like, I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs next season, but, man, this handful of rookies, like, this might be something we look back in five or ten years. Like, man, remember all these guys were – they were drafted together. What is your opinion about some of these guys in this rookie class? So I see a lot of potential. Uh, you mentioned a, a couple of other guys that I, you know, took a, a little look at, uh, like James Wiseman and Obi Toppin. Um, yeah, shout out to Obi Toppin because he got his name out there by winning the dunk contest this year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. these there's a lot of talent in in this pool. Uh, you know, you have your heavy hitters that you touched on um, with uh, Cole Anthony. Uh, especially I've been impressed with uh, and ball what he's been able to do with a Charlotte team. Like I say nobody expected anything from, and uh, they really made it uh, something there, uh, obviously making it into the playoff uh, playing tournament. But uh, I do wonder about the, uh, the defensive uh, fundamentals on a lot of these rookies. Uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of these guys who I'm thinking, you know, I want this guy to guard another elite player. So that does concern me a little bit because a lot of those strong draft classes not only had like superstars who could score, but guys who could play on the other side. Um, now they could. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right there. But um, just to also put in there part of the equation, I guess, you know, looking at five or 10 years from now, who knows what the league could be with all these gen z type of players coming in if they're all not really playing defense because of the evolution of the game kind of like how we saw 
this past generation take more threes than what they used to before compared to uh, different sample sizes, you know, maybe, maybe this, this will either stay steady and these guys are uh, rise above it and still be elite in some way, or maybe, yeah, maybe we're waiting on a different draft class that actually brings that defense in. That'll be interesting. I like that take B. Yeah. Uh, like I say, uh, I'm a proponent of defensive play, you know, defense sets up your offense, you know, being that one that denies the, the clean looks and, you know, gets back in transition, like defense really, you know, sets the energy for your team, you know, big dunks get you fired up, but tell me you're not more fired up when you get a big block on a, a potential breakaway layup, you know, those moments that you remember, you know, yeah, they, we remember the big shots, but we also remember the big defensive plays and, uh, you know, the old adage, defense wins championships. Yeah, you're going to get a lot of scoring done, but it's the same problem we have with the Brooklyn Nets this year is that who's playing defense? And it doesn't matter if you score 100 points. If your opponent scores 101, you still lose. And so I want to see these guys progress with their defense because, like I say, I see a lot of good rebounders, a lot of good scores, even some bigs that shoot out of this young class. And, uh, you know, that's the future of the bigs is kind of stretching the floor. So I like that potential. And there's tons of talent here that I'll enjoy. But, I mean, we uh, do possibly have some potential to see some guys who might bring this defense out of this draft class, like maybe Precious Achua from uh, the Miami Heat. I mean, he was playing good for a stretch of games, I think, when both Jimmy Butler and Bam was out. Uh, he's somebody that could bring the defense. You mentioned Obi Toppin with his size and length. Obviously, what the uh, what the New York Knicks are doing, Tom Thibodeau kind of runs his vets a lot more. Not uh, too many of the rookies outside of Emmanuel Moody, uh, not Emmanuel Moody, Emmanuel quickly is actually doing pretty good. He's a rookie as well, but Obi Toppin could possibly be some type of defensive guy. Maybe not enough offense to balance the defense because he's more like a lob catcher. We'll see what his game turns into. But another guy that's intriguing me is Kenyon Martin Jr. because he's been playing pretty decent here lately especially as the, you know, the Rockets finish their tanking season here and they're looking as far as who's going to be their go-to guys next year with all these young guys that they brought in. And as a rookie and probably having a chip on his shoulder along with the last name on his back, um, I mean, he might be a guy to watch out for. He might be one of those guys like, man, you know, he slid too far in the draft when we look down the road as far as, you know, what he could potentially be. Uh, when it comes to offense and defense, but he definitely has an opportunity of being there with the Rockets. Yeah, like I say, I like this this class, and I'm interested to see what they do going forward. Like I say, my only concern is, like you said, the these Gen Z players are not really defensive focused at this point, and mm -hmm. I kind of wonder, like you said, you know, maybe that is the future of the league. Maybe the defense is becoming more of a thing of the past at this level, but. Uh, you know, I'd like to think not because uh, as much as I enjoy, you know, the the crazy shooting and the dunks, you know, I want to see the top players, you know, going at each other in a defensive way. And that's really what gets me excited about, especially playoff basketball, when right. everybody kicks it up a notch, you know, who's going to play defense. And that's what we really see out of these like elite teams is not only can they score, but they can stop you from scoring. Yeah, and it might be getting back to how it was about what, 10 or 12 years ago when you have you have to pick up those specialists 
like, you know, like a, um, a Tony Allen type of player where they don't contribute a whole lot on offense, but he ma- they make a big difference when it comes to defense, especially in the playoffs. So it, it might take one of those guys if these Gen Z players become just so offensive heavy, heavy that they don't really make up for that as an individual because they don't have that type of all-around game uh, when it comes to their mindset of how they want to play the sport. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see. I also want to shout out to uh, Sadiq Bay or shout out Sadiq Bay and Tyrese Halliburton, a couple more rookies that I thought had, you know, pretty decent, impressive uh, seasons as a rookie, um, especially Tyrese Halliburton being able to play with or without Darren Fox on the Sacramento Kings. It looks like somebody who's going to anchor things down uh, there with the Kings. And if, you know, they kept Marvin Bagley, they were trying to trade him. If they keep him after this season, that'll be interesting to see. You know, some Gen Z talent there. I mean, Marvin Bagley, I guess you could consider him Gen Z. He obviously wasn't a rookie this year, but if he can have a healthy season, you know, we could see, you know, maybe it goes back to the old school style where, you know, except for the guards won't have as much of a defensive stats like steals and stuff, but maybe it, this is the way that the game reverts back to like a big man game because the, the bigs are definitely going to be, in my opinion, aggressive as far as shot blocking because they always want to do that. And maybe that's what it get it gets back to if they're not, you know, if it's not like guards trying to play all like James Harden where they're just drawing fouls and getting to the foul line. But, you know, if we just see them kind of just worrying about offense and the bigs are doing or the defensive anchors like they used to be. But, you know, it'd be interesting to see if the, if the game kind of goes back full circle, but obviously not exactly to the extent of what it was 20 years ago, but some form of that, that would be kind of cool. Yeah, I definitely like the evolution of the bigger players. You know, we were talking for a while there about how small the league was getting, you know, with these shooters. And then all of a sudden, we see these guys who are big, you know, big guys, like shooting the three at a very effective rate. And at the end of the day, this game uh, favors height. I mean, like it or not, height matters. You know, if you can shoot over the guy or reach over the guy uh, against you, you have a better chance of winning. And so um, I'm like you. I'm very interested to see how the bigs uh, evolve this game going forward. And like I say, I love this rookie class. And I'm hoping, I say, I'm hoping like you, to see, uh, look back at this class and say, man, there was some big time talent right there that we saw coming in and uh, like I say, other than my defensive, uh, you know, hesitations, you know, I'm sure these guys will get with, you know, pro level coaches and clean some of that up and uh, you know, or maybe they won't need to, but uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see this class uh, going forward as we go into the next chapter of the NBA. Yeah. It's it's definitely tough to see what's going to happen with this. I mean, there's so many different pathways because they are rookies that could happen. I mean, we could see maybe new formations of super teams if they decide to join forces, but some of these rookies look like they're actually going at each other's throats as far as wanting to be known as that top rookie or, or standout rookie. So it, it might very well get into a very competitive league when it comes to these battles, like what we used to see with like a T-Mac versus Kobe type of battle, you know, things like that, where they're just like, okay, I want that matchup against that guy. Um, 
But on the other hand, like I talked about before, not just this rookie class, but last year's rookie class, I mean, it wouldn't be surprising to see somebody like Zion team up with John Moran if he's trying to win a championship for his legacy and neither one have done it. Or, or if Zion, like they had mentioned earlier um, this year, if Zion had an interest in going to the New York Knicks and playing with RJ Baird, a former Duke teammate of his, like, it, you know, I think, I think we're going to see a little bit of everything. But I think this rookie class definitely stands out as far as like an overall feel. I don't know if it's because it's a shortened season where so many of these bad teams are tanking, but I feel like they're kind of like some of these, some of these guys are kind of like more in your face. Like they're, they're wanting to definitely be noticed and they're not just there to fill a small role. They're just here to basically, you know, bring in the next generation of talent. Yeah, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Oh, yeah, all in. So, yeah, we'll see what the next couple of drafts do. But I, I just thought this draft class was interesting. So, like I said, shout out to Cole Anthony and all the rookies for the 2021 uh, season. Um, I guess uh, it looks like LaMelo Ball is basically leading the Roy uh, conversation there. But uh, him and Anthony Edwards, uh, unfortunately, James Wiseman, who was projected to be up there in the running, you know, with the season ending, uh, we haven't really seen what he can do especially in the Warriors uh, organization, he should be able to contribute on a championship level, hopefully next season, because that'll be another dynamic. He might be the first one to win uh, a championship out of these guys. So, you know, we'll see. Like I said, I didn't want to really compare this to the, the 03 class with LeBron, Dwayne Wade and Carmelo, but those were some big name guys coming into the draft and, and they had have some legacy to their names, obviously. And yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with these guys if they, uh, you know, carry some weight with their names and and live up to some hype that they have and, and create more hype and legacy as their careers unfold. But, uh, but yeah, I want to thank you for coming over here and hanging out with us on the show. Uh, thank you to everybody who's watching. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Anchor.fm, uh, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, if you want the audio only of these uh, podcasts. And also, obviously, keep it here on the uh, YouTube for you know, any of our other content, as well as the recordings of the podcast, um, you know, under Kish YZ, K-I-S-H space YZ. And then if you want to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, our handles are Kish YZ, K-I-S-H underscore YZ there. And be, yeah, give a shout out to anybody you want to, but yeah, tell the listeners and the viewers what, you know, once again, what you're doing there and, and where to find you. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to uh, Tavern Geek, Mike over there, you know, for uh, giving the sort of the inspiration to do this and uh, for them both allowing me to be a part of this. It's really exciting and fun. And uh, it kind of gives me a chance to kind of branch out, you know, being a streamer. Uh, a lot of what I do is gaming, so I don't get to share, you know, in my love for other things. But these uh, podcasts really allow me to kind of get some a, a little bit more depth to uh what i enjoy so i really appreciate both of you guys you know for that um but yeah you can go find me like they say six days a week on twitch.tv slash your 36 i'd love to chat with you or just uh bore you enough to put you to sleep but either way uh, i'll be happy to have you and uh, always have a good time and meme and you can find d over there under the purple hulk moderating for me when he gets a chance and uh, I really appreciate all he does for me over there. And, and thanks again for having me on. It's been a great time. Yeah, I, I greatly appreciate it.
appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to be here. But yeah, yeah, shout out to Tavern Geek once again. I mean, you can find both of us over there on some of those episodes because he does like to cover uh, NBA talk. And, you know, we're one of several of their primary guys that's over there. Shout out to Zach Hammer. Uh, I know he hasn't been on in a while. Maybe he'll catch up if uh, he's not too busy. But, you know, the four of us basically hold it down when it comes to the NBA talk on the Tavern Geek. He's a great host. He comes up with cool concepts. Concepts. We do a lot more of a retro vibe as far as like comparing um, old vintage NBA to modern NBA as well. You know, as far as talking about the general stuff of the modern time, as far as what's going on in current events in the NBA. But we kind of have that connection there. So if you're kind of feeling like, oh, I want to hear some of that old school field type of game and and reminisce on some of the legendary players and okay, who can be legendary in comparison to such and such player like a Steve Nash or an Allen Iverson? You know, that's definitely the place to check it out. He does know a lot about his 90s basketball. Um, you know, he, he, he's, you know, he creates great content. He's just not on as frequent as we are, but when we do an episode, we, you know, we tend to do a big setting as far as a group of us. Uh, one time we had the uh, Feeling Lucky pod on there. So we ran like basically uh, six of us and in that podcast and you know, we cover the Milwaukee Bucks and, and, and whatnot and and some of the, like, again, like, like I said, some of the vintage teams. So definitely a fun channel to be on. But, yeah, thank you, uh, your Bud 36 for being on here. And we'll hope to have you again. And everybody stay tuned for more of our drops. And once again, subscribe and give us a like and turn that notification bell on. Once again, I'm D, and this has been Kicking in the Second Half. Everybody, peace and love.